Support for Switched On Pop comes from VibeCheck. If you need more of my friend Sam Sanders in your life, then you'll want to check out his new pod called VibeCheck. Each week, Sam and his two best friends, writer Saeed Jones and journalist and producer Zach Stafford, make sense of what's going on in the news and culture, from foreign policy to how to heal from a breakup. Every Wednesday, they check the vibe of what's going on in the world and how it all feels. It's like your favorite group chat come to life. Listen to and follow Vibe Check wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. Years ago, Nate converted me into a One Direction fan. Yes. And now, as of late January 2020, it has been four years since they have gone on infinite hiatus. Also, every One Direction member has finally released a solo album. And today, we're joined by Vox writer Alexa Lee, who undertook the unenviable task of assessing each former member's relative success. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You've written the article titled The Two Winners and Three Losers from One Direction's Solo Albums, and we want to break those down with you today. For those of us who are not as familiar with One Direction, fill us in. Who are the members of the group? What's their story? Sure. One Direction is composed of five members, Zane, Harry, Niall, Liam, and Louie, and they were formed in 2010 after they were all auditioning as individuals on a British singing competition called The X Factor. And Simon Cowell was like, you know what? I think that you would all be stronger as a group. And since then, they have been a unit as One Direction. One Direction is no longer together. In 2015, Zayn dropped out unexpectedly of the group and went on to do his own thing. And a year later, the other members announced an indefinite hiatus to being part of the band. And currently, everyone is working on solo music or other projects. And that's the reason we are here today. At this point, every One Direction member has released a solo album which means we can take a sort of macroscopic view of how each of these artists has fared since that fateful breakup. So, Alexa, you've written the two winners and three losers from One Direction's solo albums, and it feels like it's time to... It's a sign of the times that we <clears> must <throat> review each young man's releases post-One Direction. I say it's an unenviable task because the One Direction fans are particularly loyal. And we'll get into that. But I think it's fair that we take a peek at each of their albums. We're going to listen to some of the music and look at how you have assessed them. We're going to start with Zayn Malik and his record, most recent record, Icarus Falls. It's 27 songs long. For the rest of my life. Who is Zane? What do we need to know about him? Who was he in the band? Who is he now? I think his reputation when he was in One Direction was being like the quieter, more mysterious one. And I think in hindsight, we can track a lot of that to uh, him just having the most stage fright, I guess, and also being mm-hmm. the only member of color in 
One Direction. I think a lot of that uh, helped sort of propagate this idea that he was mysterious and sort of a loner in the band. But he was Mm. also the only member to drop out of One Direction. He left the group one year before they announced their indefinite hiatus. Since then, he has dedicated his career to making R&B. That is, I guess we'll get into this in a second, that is, in my opinion, very um, unsexy. (laughs) (laughs) You write that his album Icarus Falls is a boring, corny exploration of what happens when a too handsome man ensconces himself in cologne and longing and... It doesn't get better. You say it's chock full of weak lyrics and dull, forgettable beats that neither has playfulness nor the sufficient melancholy to breathe life into Zane's sensual aspirations. And the end result is under-rewarding. Oof. Tough. Yeah. And I say that with a heavy heart as someone who um, (laughs) is a big Zane fan. I know it's hard to believe reading the passage you just quoted me on, but I think that Zane is a great voice. And his first solo album was very good, in my opinion. I was very disappointed by Mm. the majority of Icarus Falls, which was also hard because it is almost 90 minutes long. Mm. We'll go on the record as big fans of Pillow Talk. I think we should listen to a track from this record and also consider the danger of naming your album Icarus Falls after (laughs) the Greek myth of flying too close to the sun. I don't know. Let's see if that's borne out in the music. Where do we want to start first? Let's try uh, the song Let Me. Okay, before we get too down and dirty here, uh, I will say Zane, as you pointed out, I think has a really lovely falsetto. Mm-hmm. We on our show had covered his song that he did with Taylor Swift. I don't want to live forever. You get a similar sort of vibe there. I do like the upper register of his voice. That's working for me. What do you think, Nate? It's nice. His voice sounds good. Feels like a demo track that remains unfinished to me. Yeah. It has this like EDM drum build that kind of never drops right. The it's almost like an extra phrase and it kind of stumbles. Mm. And Alexa, what's your take? This is actually one of the songs in Icarus Falls that I think is the better of the 27. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hate to break it to you, but I think his voice sounds very strong on this one. And I think that lyrically, this is Zane just being honest about who he is. Like the first line is Sweet baby, our sex has meaning. When I hear that, I imagine Zane at like a concert for the weekend and he's just like taking notes on like (laughs) how to write a very sultry song. I agree that this song isn't perfect, but it's a winner comparatively for me. You quote the writer Allison P. Davis, who describes Zane as someone who sings about sex like it's this thing he just heard about on a Jodeci song. Yeah, that is withering and perhaps earned, but I think this song does get a sexy vibe because, like you said, it has this build that never quite gets there, and that gives us a sense of kind of anticipation and, like, rising tension. And I think that is effective, coupled with the falsetto. Yeah, this one is working. The high point of this 27-song magnum opus, roughly the length of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. What's a low point 
of Icarus Falls. How about the song Entertainer? Alexa, what's up here? I think the problem for me with Entertainer is the point that you guys brought up for Let Me, which is that there is always this rise in Zayn's songs on this album, and you get the sense that it's moving somewhere. Like Zayn is being very clear, like he loves women and luxury, and it's going to be awesome, et cetera, et cetera. And then he just doesn't take that musically or lyrically any further and it makes the song just end up feeling like a dead end for me yeah so we might say rather than icarus has fallen icarus never took off i have a real issue with the way he sings entertainer here entertainer Entertainer. really it makes me really (laughs) uncomfortable every time like that's not how that word is pronounced i don't like it you have declared this album unfortunately one of the losers amongst the five so let's keep on moving. Let's go to Niall Huron's re- recent releases. What do we need to know about Niall? Okay. So I actually had a sort of reverse relationship with Niall to Zane, where I was very dismissive of Niall during his time in the band. I thought that he was being carried by other members of the team. But upon One Direction's hiatus and maybe the growing chaos that is post-2016, I have come to appreciate Niall for just being, like, a normal dude. (laughs) He just projects this energy that he's here to have a good time. He's not looking for trouble. The music he makes, in my article, I call it, like, palatable Ed Sheeran. I think it is (laughs) friendly and approachable without uh, rubbing people the wrong way, the way, like, Ed Sheeran does for many different types of people. Let's listen to his newest singles. First, let's hear Nice to Meet You. Every time I turn around, you disappear. Nice to meet you. What's working for you here? <laughs> this is a perfectly good song. It's neither super adrenaline pumped, nor is it boring. I can totally see this being played in like an anthropology as I search for a mm. winter-scented candle like in my painting picture. <laughs> I mean, Niall is not flying too close to the sun. He's not trying to really go anywhere at all. He's content being the everyman. And as you, I think, eloquently put it, there's something very comforting in that. And even this song kind of has this 90s throwback kind of rock almost like a jock jams kind of vibe. Well, yeah, I think that's probably coming from the fact that the rhythm here is a quintessential drum and bass rhythm. Mm. Drum and bass is usually a much faster tempo, but he's sort of taking that rhythm and pulling it back. So it's like, this is party music, but we're slowing it down. We're just your average guy. I think Nate summed it up exactly where there's something kind of familiar and comforting about his music, but it's also feels new-ish. Like nothing is too extreme. He's not flying too close to the sun. He's staying right in his lane. He's also put out a song called Put a Little Love on Me. Let's take a listen. Put a little love on me when the
piano ballad. Yeah. I like it. It feels good. I'm like literally smelling of anthropology candle now as I listen to this. So I, again, it's not maybe taking a lot of risks musically. It feels like something you may have heard before, but it's also doing it well. Shouts out to, to Niall Horan. I totally agree. I don't think Niall's biggest strength is that he's a risk taker or musical innovator, but I think that the things that he does, he does well. This song, while more sincere and I guess more serious than the last song we played, I think is equally just chill and inoffensive and yeah, perhaps for a sadder day at Anthropology, but in that same <laughs> store and vein. Moving right along, we've got Liam Payne coming up next. And as we've been establishing in a boy band, each person is filling a particular role. What role is Liam filling in the in the group? Yeah, I think that Liam's greatest strength and sort of the biggest role he played as a member of One Direction was being like a jovial like entertainer in interviews and on stage. He is the one always like goofing around and getting the crowd going and excited. I think where he stands out the most is in his talent to be a people person. And that really comes through in his stage presence. For a long time, people thought he would sort of be One Direction's next Justin Timberlake. On his record LP1, he has a song, Strip That Down, which has a very strong JT sort of vibe. Yes. <laughs> you know I love it when the music stops, but come on, strip that down for me, baby. Now there's a lot of people in the crowd, but only you can dance for me. So put your hands on my body and swing that crown for me, baby. You know I love it when the music stops, but come on, strip that down for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. And yet, Alexa, you call him less of a Justin Timberlake and more of a second-rate Bieber. What do you mean here? Okay, well, I'm so glad you played Strip That Down because, to me, it embodies all the things Liam is best at, but also all the things he's worst at. Starting <laughs> with the positive, this song is fun. It's very catchy. It, again, leans into the idea that Liam... It's just down to go out. She uses words, have fun, get rowdy. I just want to have fun and get rowdy. He got Quavo to be on this song, which is frankly nothing short of a miracle. She gonna strip it down for a thug, yeah. Word around town, she got the buzz, yeah. Five shots in, she in love now. I promise when we pull up, shut the club down. It's a fun, catchy song. But my issue with Liam really comes from he just gives off this sleazy <laughs> vibe that really can't be concealed in his music. If you listen to LP1, there's a lot of references to ass, and <laughs> but that's not something I'm opposed to in all my music. It just seems really—I guess the word I'm looking for is crass and, like, yeah. not in a way that I think Liam knows he sounds like, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a very astute summation of this track. I dig it. It makes me move my body, makes me get rowdy. I think one thing we both really dug about this song is that there's a nice kind of musical, lyrical correlation in the chorus when we get the titular line, strip that down for me, the music kind of strips down as well and becomes this sort of sparse, funky texture. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
strip that down for me. I think that's very effective. And I can see the song working really well on the dance floor. It's so hard to make a song that is stripped back. Because earlier, when we were listening to Zane's songs, you described them, Nate, as almost like an unfinished demo. The sort of building rhythm kind of led to nowhere. And yet here, we have a track on Liam's record that feels so sparse and yet also equally catchy. Hmm. Making something where almost nothing is happening that you can't forget is very hard to do. And I think that the song is working in that way. Alexa, you point to another song. You said he is incredibly bold to release a track with the title Hips Don't Lie, a famous song, of course, made by the artist Shakira. He takes his own spin on that title. The way you move side to side, you don't even need to speak. I hope hips don't lie, unless they lie with me. Right in my bed, I don't think anybody is going to debate the relative uh, merits between Shakira's version of Hips Don't Lie and Liam's here, but Alexa, I'm curious, what's your take here? What's going on? Uh, this song just astounds me with how bad it is. I, um, <laughs> Liam is a very talented artist. He is a very compelling performer, and he toured and recorded for many years with some of like the biggest songwriters in the game right now. And the fact that he, after being a part of One Direction, can convincingly sing the lyric, like, your hips can lie with me, just, I find it appalling. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't track as particularly sincere. I also want to take this opportunity to announce uh, my upcoming single, uh, Single Ladies. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's, I'm pretty sure that's never been done before. So, yeah, look out for that one. (laughs) This is exciting. Support for Switched On Pop comes from Vibe Check. If you were an Intuit fan and you are missing Sam Sanders, then have no fear. He's back with another great pod called Vibe Check. Each week, Sam and his two best friends, writer Saeed Jones and journalist and producer Zach Stafford, make sense of what's going on in the news and culture. From Elon Musk and foreign policy to how to heal from a breakup to Usher's Super Bowl halftime show, they check the vibe of what's going on in the world and how it all feels. They're currently doing a series called Hey Sis, where they're highlighting the compelling stories of black women and their achievements. They're being joined by special guests Regina King, Audie Cornish, Raquel Willis, and more. Vibe Check is your favorite group chat come to life. You can join the Weekly Kiki every Wednesday. Listen to and follow Vibe Check wherever you get your podcasts. Can't believe Sam made me say Kiki. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Okay, we are three-fifths of the way through here. Who's next on deck, Charlie? We got Louis Tomlinson. Good. Alexa Phyllison, what's the story of Louis? Louis always had a reputation of being like the least exciting member of One Direction. And um, Oh, Louis. Yeah, as as he describes himself in a recent interview, like he was often thought as the forgettable one. 
It's unfortunate. <laughs> you got the, the you got the cute one, the sexy one, the jokester, and oh, the forgettable one. Right. <laughs> wow. So that's sort of a self-admitted role. He, that you're not assigning that to him. He acknowledges it as such. Yeah. In a recent interview, he says something along the lines of. Niall is lovely, Zane's got the voice, dot, 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 and then there's me. And it's just, it's rough. Oh, yeah. Really? Well, let's listen to his song, Walls, and uh, see how it stands up. But these high walls that came up short, now I stand tall. All right. All right. I got some uh, very strong Oasis vibes going on. What do you think, Alexa? Yeah, this song reminds me of Hooba Stink and Matchbox 20. It really brings me back to nasally soft pop rock that was big in the early mm. 2000s. Yeah, this is another song where as much as it hurts me to perpetuate the idea that Louis is forgettable, I just don't think that this is a song I'll be returning to in a few months, or I don't think that it has really any standout memorable qualities. Mm. This is a departure from everything we've heard from the other members. It feels a little more intimate a little more confessional, and I was surprised to learn something about Louis's life from your article. What might the sound of this album be reflecting that Tomlinson has been experiencing since since the band broke up? Okay, so Louis was the last member of One Direction to release a solo album, and that was largely in part uh, to him taking some time away from music after the death of his mother and sister, which... Both happened within the last three years. Yeah, that's incredibly tragic. So I think it makes sense that we're hearing a bit more of a confessional journal-like sound here. Yeah. Okay, Walls is is moving me, especially with this kind of greater context of what's been going on in his world. Let's turn to another track. What should we listen to next? Okay, I think that the next song we should get into is Kill My Mind. You kill my mind. Yeah, Nate's not convinced. The rock vibe is interesting here, but the thing that doesn't stand out that should is the vocal, right? Like in a boy band, like right. you really yeah. want very powerful present vocals. And he feels a little buried in the mix here, subsumed by that rock vibe. Yeah, I totally agree. I do appreciate the earnest element that's really clear in, in both this song and Walls, but overall, it just doesn't stick with me. And... I don't think that's just because this isn't the same genre as the other solo One Direction members' music. I think that Louis just hasn't been able to convincingly like create a hook in his music that will leave a lasting impression. Yeah, I think you're right here. That song, it, I can't even sing the hook now after having just heard it. And that is one of the essential things that you know a, a major pop star has got to do is write a song that is going to stick with you years after you've heard it. 
Which brings us to the final Harry Styles and his release, Fine Line. Harry is the most, in many ways, successful and famous of the group coming out of the band. You wrote that watching Harry Styles become the most popular post-One Direction member is not unlike watching a long-awaited prophecy finally falling into place. So who was Harry and now who is Harry? I think it's really easy to see his status in the band as a prelude for his career now. Many people, both fans and people interviewing the group, saw Harry as the standout leader, I guess. Um, not in the same like Justin Timberlakey way as Liam, but I think that people walked away with the sense that Harry was artistic and he was different and he was the one that was going to make it out of this band and really become a solo act. And that's exactly what he's done. Is there a track that captures the sort of world-conquering power of Harry Styles on this new record? For that, I would suggest we take a look at Adore You. I guess, to put it short, I love this song. <laughs> when stuff first started coming out about this album and Harry was doing more press, I was kind of like, I get it, Harry. You're not like the other boys. Like, you're so indie. <laughs> and then his song dropped, and I just had to eat my words because <laughs> I think it's so <laughs> catchy when it plays. You instantly can tell who's singing it. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we've listened to five different singers, and for me, this is the first time where I really feel like I'm hearing someone's voice, like, in my ear, someone really singing and expressing themselves and their voices out in the front of the mix. And it definitely has a lot of effects and autotune on it, but it has a presence and a directness that I haven't encountered in a lot of these other members so far. Yeah, and it feels like it's, it's really uh, balanced by the production, which... Mm. For me, that this this music, this is sort of like a slow funk. This is strutting music. This is confident. It's yeah. really fun. And there are some deep Toto vibes here. Oh my gosh, there are deep yeah. Toto vibes. Those like '80s electric yeah. guitar and synthy lines. been like grooving on some serious yacht rock I totally think, in the I, last five years for me this song is entirely actually not just about the lead vocal which i love but those backing vocals those big like ah mm. those moments <laughs> many of these guys i feel like are actually sort of pointing to something in the past right whether it's like oasis vibes mm. right or like the drum and bassy thing mm. and here we have harry i think trying to rub shoulders with some earlier greats in rock music to sort of claim some authentic, like, right. seriousness. You know, take me seriously as an adult performer. Yeah, the guitar yeah. solo probably adds to that, too. Definitely. It's like, I'm legit, you know. Look, there's a guitar solo. I think that those backing vocals, though, when you, when you have a big, ah, kind of moment, like, that feels dated and yet also it's just a really fun reference that mm. it's enough in the past that like oh i'm glad to hear that again yeah okay we're gushing we're gushing but can you keep it up let's hear another song from this record breathe me in breathe me 
I have to say, this is the worst lyric ever written that I love so much. <laughs> You're not down with watermelon sugar, Charlie? I'm not going to go out on a limb and try to guess what he's talking about here, but it's just like uh, inane chorus, and yet the subtle <laughs> rhythmic displacement and how he sings the final version. He was like, watermelon sugar, high, watermelon sugar, high. That little change, I don't know, it hooks me in. I think it's a reference to a Richard Brodigan. He was like a 60s beat poet, and he has a book called In Watermelon Sugar. Get out of here. Which feels like something Harry Styles would be reading in his post-One Direction hiatus. I figured it was like sex stuff. Oh, really? Because I was like, this is drug stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, right on. Mm. Alexa, any insights? Sex, drugs, beat Rock poetry? <laughs> No insights on that. I'm sure post One Direction, Harry Styles has read a plethora of beats writing. So um, that is probably a very big clue into Watermelon Sugar. For this one, just really sums up something that sets this album overall apart from the other One Direction members' albums, which is that it sounds human, like the pause and break between sugar and high at the end of the chorus and just like these engaging quirks in the song make it feel like Harry is being real and not performative in a way that Zane or Liam come across in their music. Okay, Harry's doing pretty well. We've only listened to two tracks from each artist, but let's throw one more in the mix because I'm really curious if he can keep this up. I dig it. Let's listen to Harry Styles' Cherry. Don't you call him baby Yeah, I'm just going to gush again. <laughs> I think that this is <laughs> a great song to me. It was very surprising to hear on this album, I think, in his work on One Direction and also in his work on his first album, Harry Styles sings a lot of ostensibly sad songs, but they never really sort of go that extra mile for me and sound like they're coming from personal experience or have an element or a sense that the melancholy really got to him. And I, I think that the a sort of sincere emotionalness really comes through on this song and it almost makes Harry relatable. Mm. Yeah. I think what's working for me about this song is that so often when a major pop act decides to do their slowed down emotional acoustic song, they cover up for that bare quality with a plethora of auto-tune and other production that will make it sound, frankly, in contrast to what they're trying to achieve, overproduced yet paired back. And here, that's not the case. This feels like someone threw a microphone in a room and you're getting just something off the cuff. It has that kind of a quality to it. And I think that it's going for this more vulnerable quality it's succeeding. There's also some surprising sounds like that harmonica, that low, mm. kind of low-pitched harmonica that kind of comes out of nowhere. We can't even put our finger on what these string instruments are exactly. It's like maybe a guitar with a, a high tenor capo or, or like a mandolin. Oh. 
I don't yeah, know what the sound I don't is. Know. Anyone out there who knows what string instrument, let us know. We've had Adore You, which starts with a reference to strawberries, watermelon sugar, and now cherry. There's also a song called Kiwi on this record. You mean on the last record. But either way, he's a fruititarian. There's a serious fruit fetish going on here, <laughs> which I won't, again, I won't begin to, to parse. Okay, we should probably stop loving on Harry Styles so much. It's prob- It's getting a little... It's a bit much. It's a little indecent. Yes, thank you. Let's step back. We've listened to five solo efforts from the five members of One Direction. Alexa, you listened, I mean, wow, you listened to a lot of music. I mean, just listening to Zayn's entire album on its own is such a laudable. (laughs) What are your takeaways if you step back and think about these five individual efforts in the context of One Direction and their legacy, I guess? I think a lot of people will read the article I wrote and think that I'm just shitting on One Direction, and I am being very critical of the majority of the members, but believe it or not, I wrote this article because I am a big fan of One Direction, and I've obviously been closely following all the individuals' careers, and I think what my biggest takeaway was when listening to each different album was that with the exception of Harry, I don't feel like any of them have reached their full potential. While they may have felt artistically constrained or limited in their status of One Direction, no one has yet to make an album that has the liveliness and appeal of One Direction's best work. And I think that that's really frustrating for me as a fan. I just feel like I'm still waiting for the members to surprise me and create something bigger than their previous legacy in One Direction. I love this. So rather than maybe reading this as a criticism, maybe it is more of a challenge. I like that interpretation. (laughs) Well, thank you. This has been so much fun. I think for us, regardless of the relative merits or criticisms of each of these records, it's helped kind of sharpen each of these members for us and, and really see them as individuals. And as you just said, maybe see each of these efforts as like steps on what is hopefully a longer journey, which I'm excited to keep checking in on. So, Alexa... After the next round of One Direction albums, let's let's meet back up and, and see how each of these artists has progressed in their musical careers. All right. It's a pact. I will see you five albums later. <laughs> All right. I'm, put, I'm putting in the Google Calendar right now. <laughs> thank you, Alexa. This has been fun. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Switched on Pop is produced by me, Charlie Harding. And Juan Nate Sloan. Our producers are Bridget Armstrong and Megan Lubin. We're mixed and engineered by Brandon McFarland. We have fabulous illustrations by Iris Gottlieb. And our community manager is Abby Barr. Our executive producers are Nashat Karwa and Liz Nelson. We're proud to be members of the Vox Media Podcast Network, the VMPN. And you can find more episodes of our show anywhere you get podcasts. We also love talking to you on Twitter, on the Instagram, on the email. Reach out, touch someone, we'll be there. Yeah, we're at Switched On Pop basically everywhere you can find us. Thanks so much to Alexa Lee for joining us, and we'll see you next week with a brand new episode. Until then, thanks thanks for for listening. Support for Switched On Pop comes from VibeCheck. If you need more of my friend Sam Sanders in your life, then you'll want to check out his new pod called Vibe Check. Each week, Sam and his two best friends, writer Saeed Jones and journalist and producer Zach Stafford, make sense of what's going on in the news and culture, from foreign policy to how to heal from a breakup. Every Wednesday, they check the vibe of what's going on in the world and how it all feels. It's like your favorite group chat come to life. 
Listen to and follow Vibe Check wherever you get your podcasts.